0: Welcome to the London Horror Movie Club, where each episode I try to convince you to watch one of the weird, wild, and wonderful horror films set in London. Season 2 is all about terror on the underground. What would you do if you were stuck on the underground? That question has inspired several horror movies, but it has a resonance in reality, too. I have, more than once, found myself waiting in a tunnel for the signal to change, and counted out the minutes as we seemed to stay there longer and longer. Usually the pauses only last two or three minutes, but the seconds seem to stretch into eternity. And even once you're on the car, the threat remains. I remember on my way home, our train was stopped and the power went off. I'm not sure how long it was for, but in the dark, buried under the city, my first reaction was humor. In my head, I started singing a line from that animal song. We gotta get out of this place if it's the last thing we ever do. But after a while, I began to wonder what I would do if we were stuck down there. After all, it has happened before. Just after I moved to London in 2008, almost 5,000 passengers were trapped in the tunnels for hours when a power failure spread through the Jubilee line. In 2010, the Jubilee line again had car failures and passengers of multiple trains were led out of the underground on foot. And similar events have happened as recently as the 2019 Central Line failure. The possibility of being stuck underground for over an hour isn't life-threatening, but in those moments, the mind can't help but think of those horrific events when it was permanent. I thought of the 2005 terror attack, which resulted in 52 deaths and hundreds of injuries, leaving many of those same injured having to hobble out of the underground after the explosion. And of course, we all remember the 1943 Bethnal Green disaster. Being stuck on the underground is the stuff of nightmares, but a nightmare that has, in the past, bled into real life. For this final episode of Season 2 of the London Horror Movie Club, We'll be looking at films where people are trapped on the underground, and it's a chance to meld cinema with reality and to look at how the real history of the underground has influenced film, and how film can evoke real-life terror. We've already talked about films like Creep, where Kate is locked in the underground overnight, or Deathline, when Patricia is dragged into the cave of the underground against her will. So if you're interested in those, take a look at other episodes, because for this one, I think I'll look at films where being stuck on the underground is a moment, but it adds immeasurably to the tension of the film. The first of these would be, I think, the 1961 Godzilla-style horror Gorgo in which a giant lizard is captured off the Irish Sea and brought to London as a spectacle, only for the mother to then follow and destroy the city in her attempt to rescue the original lizard. As the mother monster crashes through London, the city streets are filled with panicking people. And once the monster makes its way to Trafalgar Square, one of the few places to hide is Charing Cross Underground Station. And terrified spectators pile in. It is an absolute ram of crowded people. And we get some very close-up shots of individuals, so you get a sense of how intense the pileup is, trying to get the station, even filling it to the brim. The camera cuts between shots of the gargantuan monster above and the overstuffed crowd below in tunnels and even right next to the train line. Chunks of the ceiling start to fall down as the tunnel collapses, and the monster steps breach the safety of the station. We watch, horrified, as the tunnel collapses onto the tracks and it seems as though there's nowhere to go. The scene, as I've described, it is short, it's a matter of seconds, I don't think it—maybe it's a minute. But it is intense. And it shows the peril of even trying to keep safe for these people now that the monster is on the loose. When you see the sort of above ground shots, you you have the the evocation of Godzilla, but there are so many places to flee, to run, even in a very crowded city. But those tight spaces add immeasurably to the, the impossibility of escape, to the tension, and to the real threat of what is happening. The imagery of the shaking underground, filled with cowering people, also mimics images of crowds huddled on the underground 20 years earlier in the Blitz. This is something I think it is intentionally done. The Eugene Laurier, the director, has done this in other films, and so it's not just about our cultural memory, it's absolutely built into the film. Just as in this movie where People were piling into the underground to try and keep safe. During World War II, similarly, some Londoners sought shelter in the underground once those air raid sirens had sounded, and often they'd end up waiting out evening bombings on the station platforms. Images of the underground during the Blitz were not uncommon in the media and literature throughout the 50s and photographs of groups on the underground huddled in a similar sort of way that we might think of in Gorgo were used in newspapers and documentaries. And so though London was devastated by the monster in Gorgo, the similarity would have been clear. It was certainly part of the collective social conscious in the early 1960s. This history of the underground during the Blitz had a sort of life of its own, and it followed on and continued in the decades to come. So as I mentioned in the first episode, in 1967, Mass in the Pit, we have another example of the underground trapped sensation specifically referencing World War II. In the film there's a scene of panic on the underground when they've awoken an alien presence from a vessel that's buried at Hobbs and tube station. It starts to be to sort of shake and quake and send out energy throughout the system and, and you see um, sort of crowds that are collected around from news newspapers and journalists as well as a few scientists become panicked when they hear and feel the movement of of what's coming out of the vessel and that you get the shaking of the underground and they very quickly rush and almost crush into each other in their desperate attempt to get out piling on top of each other. This scene is an eerie recollection of the 1943 Bethnal Green disaster, in which panic similarly led people trying to shelter from the air raid to bottleneck at the station, fearing that they needed to get out and ultimately killing 170 people, Britain's largest civilian loss during the war as it happened, nothing was actually endangering anyone at Bethnal Green Station. This was pure human panic. So there is a clear difference from what's happening in the Quatermass in the Pit, but there's no question that both the director and the audiences would be recalling the same idea, the same moment when watching this kind of scene. And of course, more broadly, that sense of the underground is and the connection to World War is regularly hit at throughout the plot of that film. One of the main sort of forces of the film if you will is the army they think that this alien vessel isn't alien they think it's a sort of propaganda bomb or some remnant left over from world war ii so there's no question that this film was very heavily tied into the idea of the blitz of second world war and in that way the underground sort of is just one of many things that this film uses to evoke the fears of the war and to bring them back into the late 60s a more general callback to this visual resonance of citizens huddled on the underground occurs in the 1985 sci-fi horror film life force i did an episode on this film in season one but to sum up briefly london is invaded by a group of three soul-sucking vampire aliens and towards the climax of the film these vampires have set up a system to suck the souls of londoners en masse the camera cuts to various scenes where we watch the souls leave the bodies toby hooper is the director and you see a very similar sort to poltergeist lights these big beams of blue light represent the soul. And so we watch sort of citizens have blue light sucked out of them, their souls leaving their bodies. And one such scene occurs on the London Underground where bodies are clustered on and around the tube rails of Chancery Lane tube station. Above them, the blue light of their souls slith- slithers out, sorry, <laughs> slithers out into the, the above ground and, and almost an explosion of energy that then causes a sort of bus to explode. The the scene has a great visual dynamism given the small space and it is a reminder of films like Quatermass and Gorgo and of course a little bit of a callback to those visuals of the air raids particularly when you see piles of bodies sort of lying along the station it does look like they're huddled for shelter rather than dead but of course so much has happened there's a lot of distance and time 40 some odd years or yeah, 40 years have passed since the war. So there's a lot more going on than just the small visual callback to the war. I think in, in this particular film, there's quite a lot of interest going on in this very short scene. I think it lasts about 10 seconds, but you get a great sort of visual contrast. You have this bright blue light in contrast to the underground, which is very, very dark. The power's out. It's not lit. You also have a sense in which the underground has now literally become a tomb. You're seeing piles of dead bodies. It's a mass grave. It's already underground. And of course, this is something that we've seen in other horror films that we've watched. And there's a very strong impact to that image in this film that adds a, a sort of almost new layer to the underground. It's very, I think this film is very 1980s, it's very different even from its, its, let's think of another 1980s counterpart, American Werewolf, which has another trapped on the underground scene. I think it stands out amongst them, but you can see the sort of tendrils of influence as, as it goes forward. Now, again, as we move further from World War II, the visual resonance of crowds on the underground naturally decreased, and it's no longer a common trope in horror cinema. But there is a worthwhile exception to note, and that's Woman in Black 2, where the film opens on a young teacher, Eve, huddled on the underground station during an air raid. This isn't a reference to World War II, it is a literal recreation of it. And of course, this is because the film is set in the 1940s. But the use of the underground starts the film off with a sense of great tension and feeling trapped. Now, Eve isn't actually trapped on the underground, but she doesn't, or we don't necessarily even know that at the very start. There's a sense in which everyone on there is worried that they will be, that some bomb will mean that this is the end of their life or that they're trapped down there. And the same claustrophobia and the unseen element of danger, you hear things happening, it sort of follows Eve into the haunted house, which is the main portion of the movie. And it's also a sort of neat vignette at the start because the inclusion of the underground scene in the film for a few moments sets up a parallel that echoes the rest of the film. So Eve is down there, she's hiding from the air raid, and there's a small child who's very upset. Eve goes to comfort the child. It's it's scary, but they make it through okay. She's strong enough to sort of help the child through it, and they're both better for it. And ultimately, that little moment plays out throughout the rest of the film in a very different situation. Eve is a teacher. She's taking a, a group of children, her students, away from London, out of the air raids, to a house that ends up being haunted. And once again, it's lots of things you can hear that are happening to you, but you don't really get to see. It's not like you... It has moments, this is hard to explain unless you've seen the film and I don't wanna go spend too much time on it, but basically think of poltergeist activity as not that different from experiencing a bomb overhead. You can't interact with what's happening to you, but it is happening to you, it is interacting with you. And then Eve, yet again, is, is protecting children. She's trying to keep them safe, keep them calm, protect them. And one particular child she develops a relationship with. And so in some ways that underground scene at the start is what's happening in the film. Now, I'm not saying that the film says that that bombing is like haunting, but it, it, it creates a very nice parallel in which the film calls on the general dangers of living alongside a war to ensure emotions are heightened from the outset and then gives you a slightly different experience that creates a very similar emotional arc over longer time. And so you have these echoes of fear throughout the film and it's set up really well because of the underground because of that history of underground bombing. In all of these films, horror draws on a real history of the underground, either through direct references or embracing the historical tension of the clustered underground in the face of an external, usually unseen threat. This weaves together real perils of the tube with heightened terror that horror films want to evoke in their viewers. Now, I won't say that air raids are the origin of the underground theme in horror, that's completely not true, but it's clearly central and present to 1960s horror films, which form a solid basis for future terrifying movies set on the underground. And in particular, it created a ready-made association between the underground and a sense of being trapped or stuck with danger all around. It's worth noting that there are no underground horror films or literature before World War II. And I think seeing the resonances of it in films where being trapped on the underground is part of the fear reminds us that there's some interesting developments that happen in our relationship with the underground in the relationship between films and the underground in that sort of post-war era that then live on, shall we say. And it's also important to consider that with this blitz association, the underground isn't a purely terrifying space. This is historically true, as well as in the world of film. During air raids, the mood was anxious and frightened, but there's also a real sense of safety and being protected by the layers of concrete and earth. People were going down there to be protected from bombings, and we see this in the horror films. The, the most obvious example is the scene from Gorgo, the 1961 uh, Godzilla movie I was talking about at the start. It's unquestionably tense, and some people you assume die; they they fall underneath the rubble. But we're watching the heroes of the film as they go in and then ultimately escape the collapsing underground by backing away from the rubble and going down one of the other myriad pathways that the underground offers. And this sets up a sort of let's not say long history, but there's a handful of horror films that also find sort of shelter protection or escape in the underground just as much as there's fear. And so other horror movies have this opportunity to find tension, fear, darkness, death, but also some positivity or even some hope on the underground. It isn't just a pit of despair. The last episode we discussed was 28 Days Later, and there's the useful shelter of Canary Wharf Station provided for Jim and Selena in the underground. Though Boyle is not referencing World War II, and I, I'm not in any way trying to imply he does, it shows a potential connection in London's culture, maybe English culture, between a sense of protection and London Underground. We also see, saw this when we discussed The Death of Ian Stone a couple episodes ago, in which traveling on the northern line offers Ian shelter from the creatures that are chasing him. And both of these films, like Gorgo and Life Force, the horror is outside the underground. And so in that way, the underground can protect you, just as much as it can be an invisible threat if you think about, say, what we talked about with Woman in Black or with Life Force. There's also an aspect in which it's somewhere to shelter, and so for me, this duality of the underground is what I find so interesting in films where you can be trapped. Of course, this is a horror sort of podcast, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the fear of the underground, but I think it's amazing that there's this space that's so ready-made for it, so culturally associated with fear, terror, even death, and yet It's the diversity of the underground, the possibilities the space offers that make it such an attractive location for directors, horror or otherwise. You know, there's there's plenty of non-horror films on the underground. So, so think of all the different styles of horror movie we've seen on the underground, for example, how each film has used different aspects of the underground, from the seemingly endless chase scene in horror comedy American Werewolf in London, to the psychological metaphor of the underground in 28 weeks later, directors can and have played with so many different aspects of the underground. They make the most of this space, as well as the history of the underground, and even the associations we might have from day-to-day commuting. If we look back on these moments where you're stuck on the underground. It's clear that this is a space of wild, wonderful, and even weird possibilities. The four films I've talked about specifically about being trapped on the underground in this episode, each have very different themes, each use the underground visually, logistically, reasonably in very different ways. And so I'd like to say that one of the great things that we look can see when we look at being trapped on the underground is not only the realities of fears that we can play with on the underground and the reality of safety or hope that we can play with on the underground, but more the fact that the underground has so many possibilities. And on that note, I usually end these podcasts with my favorite scene in the film, but I want to end by asking you what your favorite scenes have been. I have a friend, for example, who has a favorite underground horror scene when Tammy, Andy, and Rose are all descending the blacked-out stairs in Charing Cross Station. He says the camera work can't be beat in that scene. What do you think? Do you think it's any good? I didn't specifically mention it in my podcast. I hadn't even thought about it. What films do you love? What moments on the underground do you love? What watch do you hate? Let me know. You can email me or you can Instagram me at Lauren Jane Barnett. I would love to hear from you. And thank you so much for listening to me these past two years and for joining me this season. I'm Lauren Jane Barnett, and this is the London Horror Movie Club.